What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and this is the end of the first quarter of 2022. We're three months in. We're going into the next... April, what was it? April and Easter come up next. Spring is here. The swallows are flying. The tulips are out. The daisies are blooming. It's getting warmer, folks. The blossom is on the trees. And what that also means is, if we're at the end of the quarter... This is the Patreon choice for the main feed. At the end of every quarter, I go to my Patreons, my wonderful patrons who support this wonderful, wonderful podcast. They help us keep the lights on in 20th Century Towers. And uh, I give them a poll. We talk about it. We offer, what is it we're going to talk about for this episode? Now, the intent is these, are, these could be big ones, these could be little ones, it could be anything we want. Or I should say anything they want. And they'll put a poll out and... We are going to be doing a 30-minute thoughts. Now, this, again, is a format that I do on a monthly basis as part of the Patreon. This is me talking about my thoughts on something. Often it's it's me rambling about something, but it's my thoughts, and I try to remain as informed as possible. But I also try to keep it just my thoughts. So some of it's sort of off the cuff. It's off, it's off my head. And I've done a whole bunch of these. If you want to find out more, there's a link to our Patreon below. Go check it out. There's all kinds of stuff on there, including a whole bunch of 30-minute thoughts. And today we're going to be talking about um, a special sort of character that exists in pop culture. One that we know quite a lot. There's been lots of a couple of TV shows and novels and stuff, but it goes back quite a way. We're going to be talking about uh, the supernatural detective. or In some cases, people refer to him as the occult detective. Uh, these are detectives, or these are detective stories or characters that exist in a world of the supernatural, and they will then act as, as a detective or as a, a fighter of the supernatural. Now, in more modern times, we, we sort of know these characters as being um, usually... Well, the most famous ones I can think of, is, you know, from, from our point of view, would be John Constantine. Uh, but they do fall into two categories. There are those that exist within the occult within the supernatural uh, and sort of keep it at bay which would be John Constantine um, Harry Dresden from the Dresden Files uh, the Angel series uh, the Angel spin-off series very much fits into that sort of um, supernatural detective then you get the non-supernatural supernatural detective the regular person who has no particular powers uh, or you know, or abilities, but is out there sort of hunting um, for the supernatural. The most um, probably well known I can think of that you, you could instantly go to and and know would be uh, Abraham van Helsing from Dracula. He fits, you know, he is a professor and, and stuff, but he's out there sort of, you know, taking on evil. Now specifically, he's after vampires. Um. And these other detectives cover a wide gamut of supernatural entities, all kinds of different bits and pieces. But generally, they seem to come out of the Victorian era. Um, I want to check. I think the first one 
I did a little bit of checking. The first one we have we, we get referred to is around 1855. Um, a character called Harry Escott, written by Fitz James O'Brien. <clears throat> the first story being um, The Pot of Tulips. And he also appears in another story called What Was It? A Mystery. Uh, these Victorian stories that sort of feed into, I think, uh, a couple of things that's worth noting around this era. The first one being the um, detective story was was a growing uh, genre in the Victorian age. Uh, often just it's agreed that uh, the first true detective story comes from Edgar Allan Poe, uh, the murders in the Rue Morgue, and it grew from there. It grew in popularity, but the Victorians also loved a bit of horror. You know, we get that you know that sort of the taboo of of horror um, during the Victorian era. And so you do get sort of horror tales. You know, obviously, people talk about things like Dracula, uh, which came much later on. But Frankenstein uh, by Mary Shelley is science fiction, but still horror. Uh, 18... Christ, 1817, I think, 1816? Uh, might be wrong. Um, I have a copy here. I should check. Uh, so but you get this, this notion of horror brewing in um, 1818. There you go. Originally published in 1818. Uh, but you get this idea of horror brewing. Uh, even um, it was the vampire, which was the original one, and um, all this sort of thing. So it was it was an, it was inevitable that the two were going to clash. These two genres were going to come up against each other at some point, and obviously it happened in eighteen fifty five. What I would say is the other thing that was happening around this time was the growth of spiritualism. Uh, spiritualism being. Um, the, the belief in ghosts and it came out of america now I, for years as a kid i was a, well, a kid much younger person i always assumed that spiritualism felt to me like a european thing you know like you'd think of like uh and this gonna sound horribly stereotypical so i apologize but like you know you get the image of like a romany gypsy you know sort of the crystal ball and the tarot cards and all that kind of thing so i assumed spiritualism came out of like uh, Central Europe, and I'm assuming there may have been elements of it, but it was popularized, uh, especially things like you know, like the, the talking board and the Ouija board, and, and um, the idea of knocking in particular by uh, two sisters, the Fox sisters. And I've got this, I've got this weird thing, it's around 1848, something like that, that they became to prominence. And for the next 15 20 years, they took held seances and they did all these things. and then one of them said it was a fraud, and the other one didn't, and then they both said it was a fraud, and they both didn't. And back and forth. You believe what you believe. But by this point, spiritualism um, was already was a big part, was becoming a big part of, of, of Victorian uh, culture. It travelled from the States, from New York, across America, or at least sort of the East Coast, to Britain. And Britain definitely picked it. We, we picked up and ran with it, as we often do with this stupid shit. And uh, we also, in this country, one of the things we do... At least the Victorians did. They loved to mourn. You know, it was a bit. It, mourning was a big thing for the Victorians. Um, obviously, based around the fact that like Queen uh, Queen Victoria, sorry, mourned uh, the death of Albert for like forty plus years, and so, you know, to to mourn was a was a big thing in this country, sort of as a sign of respect. And part of that mourning process was to take photos of dead people. And this then led to things like spirit photography and so on and so forth. So it's all sort of interwoven in this, in this other world. So there was this, there was this sort of um, 
love and desire for the supernatural and so you it's no wondering it's sort of it's it sort of um started in that mid era now it, it sort of takes off much later and i'm going to check somebody else because to me there's, there's there's an author that i the, the one i always associate with this is uh, William Hope Hodgson. I've got his book, one of his books here. Uh, the Weird Tales of William Hope Hodgson. And so I've got a couple in. He's early sort of 20th century, sort of the majority of his books. Um, and so between about 1900 and about 1900, because it was 1973, so he was around for a while. But uh, he wrote a series of. He was born 1877, lived. In, oh, he died in 1819. So the one that was that's 18, 1973. Um, clearly posthumous, um, but the character that he introduced was a character called Karnaki, Karnaki the Ghost Finder. So that you can get there's a collection. There's a collection called referred to as Karnaki the Ghost Finder, and it's all those stories. Um, and this character was is interesting because we one of the things I often de- you know expect in this era of detective fiction or even sort of um, especially from the supernatural, is a flamboyant character. You know, you sort of, I think, sort of, we expect them to have eccentricities. The, the, the idea of the eccentric detective obviously comes from this era, sort of the early 20th century, because you get Sherlock Holmes and um, the, the spin offs of those, which really comes out the, the Scarlet Pimpernel again, but that's a different connection. So, what my expectation is really that, that, that Karnaki should be that, this flamboyant, slightly sort of eccentric detective, <laughs> and he's not. He's, he's more of a scientist in the sense of how they would have approached science in the early 20th century. So the science is cack-handed for the most part. And deductions are sort of leaps of, like, these massive leaps of logic. But it's more a case of sort of, like, he's, sim- he's closer to what you would consider to be a parapsychologist today than a supernatural detective. Um, he, the, the stories are great and some fantastic ones. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to read them, but some of the titles, I think a, the, the one I've read several times, is um, The Horse of the Invisible, which is great. It's got some fantastic, sort of very well-written moments in. But the stories are usually told by him going like, well, I went off and did this, and here's how I'm going to recount it. Um, and he, Or he'd invite a friend along or something like that. Like, you know, it's not like Poirot or, you know, an Agatha Christie story where they stumble across a murder. Uh, and in doing so, they are entrenched in the mystery. Like he's, he's invited along to things to do the, the investigating, but it's not like when I say investigating, it's investigating a, a situation. So, oh my God, you know, Giles, we have uh, the the apparition of a horse here on a daily basis, or the apparition of a nun, or whatever, uh, or these kinds of things. And then, you know, he'll be invited to investigate. Now, that's not all of them. There are other ones, but he's a really interesting character because he's not this in your face detective he's not like the rogue you know even if you take it the other way the hard-boiled detective is not that at all similar to um i would say as i said the, the a parapsychologist now it starts to change because you do start to get these more flamboyant uh, characters in this sort of detective fiction later on sherlock Holmes has been a very very good example now within conan doyle's um catalogue there is no um and this is weird, but there is no um, leanings towards the supernatural. I suppose you do get, you know, the the idea of a, a hound um, 
the more hound with the hound of Baskervilles. But it's found to not be. It's found to be a, a beaten dog. Spoilers. Um, which in itself is ironic because by the time you get to the 20s, I think at least in the mid-20s, um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is heavily involved in the supernatural. Like he's a big uh, proponent and a member of the uh, Institute for Psychical Research. He was attending and hosting a number of seances. Uh, and it was actually pushing for all kinds of things. He's one of the individuals that believed and <laughs> actually gave a vote of confidence to those uh, photos of fairies that came about. Um, I don't know the year, but I'm thinking again, it's probably the early 20s. I think 22, 23. Uh, 1922, I should say. 1922, 1923. And he was like, yeah, these are real. These are clearly real. There is the supernatural. There is this There is this uh, other occult world out there. Um. And he, the reason for this, I should actually provide some context, was because he lost his son. One of his sons died quite young. And so he spent a lot of the rest of his life looking to prove and became an advocate for the supernatural and the spiritualism. Uh, it led to a massive dispute with uh, Harry Houdini um, because Houdini was also looking for proof after his mother died. And they got into fights because Houdini became a... The more Houdini investigated, the more of a sceptic he became. But the more Conan Doyle investigated, the more of a believer he came. Uh, they literally came to blows at points over this. Um, and there, there, I think there has even been a dramatisation of this in, in a couple of places. It's, it's a fascinating story. Back to detectives. But this comes back to something that, that you know, it's not until after Conan Doyle dies and her, Sherlock Holmes, um, his, as an IP, falls into the public domain that we start to get these stories of uh, Holmes taking on the supernatural. Um, I'm thinking of at least two that are incredible. Like, you know, there's been Holmes taking on ghosts and stuff, but there was like, they then insert Sherlock Holmes into another um, great author of the early 20th century. You get Holmes inserted into the Cthulhu mythos. Um, and so you get the clash of Conan Doyle and Lovecraft coming together and i've seen that at least three or four times different novels i haven't read them couldn't comment but again it's this need you see it's, i can see there's this need to take a detective and try and take them out of their um wheelhouse take them out of their comfort zone and add something different add that spin um and so you get that um and it, again i'm something the one i can think of is actually they, there's a book again i've not read it but Sherlock Holmes versus the Cenobites of Clive Barker, so the Hellbound Heart, you know, Pinhead, that sort of thing. So you take them to the nth degree, you can do that. Um, but one of the ironic things is you've already got those de detectives. I mean, granted, Sherlock Holmes is probably the, the most well-known supernatural uh, detective of any kind to have come out of uh, genre fiction, or fiction in general. But you then get these other characters, and, and you know, there's ones I think of as... Um, yeah, he writes him now, but there's a character called John Silence, who's a doctor, who literally, on the side of being a doctor, conducts these investigations, um, and so on and so forth. And so, you know, I'm looking here, I'm not hugely versed in all of these, but you get like authors of weird fiction like Robert W. Chambers, Arthur Macken, William Hope Hodgson, who I've said, um, creating these characters, and they created some. So to, to do this, as I said, like, you know, you mentioned Karnacki of William Hope Hodgson. I'm just going to quickly look at this. So Arthur Mackin, 
who another one of a favourite of mine, um, created a character called John, John Dyson. You go, um, not the uh, John Dyson, not the, the but like you know, and, and Arthur Mackin created a lot of weird fiction, and so it's it's not surprising that he would then lead into this thing. Now, one of the things I should highlight is again, I'm I'm so always curious that like, Mr. James never did. He never had a consistently sort of like reoccurring character or anything, but his is more of personal ghost stories. <clears throat> but maybe maybe it's not so surprising then. But these are when you look at all these characters, when I've done a little bit of research and stuff, because they come out of a certain era, they are a certain type of character. They are a gentleman. You know, they have uh you'll notice like Dr. John Silence or even Karnaki and these guys, they had men of means. You know, like it's almost like a side hustle. Oh, I can go off and I can search the uh, the supernatural. Of course, no one's going to stop me. I have money. Um, so you have these guys going off to do these investigations, which seem implausible and ridiculous and so on and so forth. <clears throat> but um, they are all gentlemen. Is is let's put it that way. You know, within this sort of um, pre World War Two uh, environment, they would be considered gentlemen. Um. And so you, you get this thing about this is classism. Like it's it's upper middle class and above. Because everybody else is working. Like they have to be practical. And so you do get this notion from looking at some of these that this the idea of the supernatural, and especially becoming a supernatural detective, is at, at times about having the ability to be an impractical person. You know, you could lean into this idea of spiritualism and um the realities of the things, especially you know, post World War One, when spiritualism really took off in this country, um, you can have these characters, but you couldn't have a working class supernatural detective. Um, it just wouldn't work because you know why would anyone take them seriously? The class structure of this country in particular, why would anyone take them seriously? They wouldn't have uh, the means to support themselves. They'd have to be working, so you sort of have to be sort of self funding. Um, to be able to continue this um, work, really. You know, it's not seen as a vocation. But, so it was interesting that that's the sort of characters that were being drawn upon originally. Um, the other things that's interesting to note about the early 20th century is some of the people that were about that had a reputation. And this idea of magic and the occult and spiritualism... Um, being sort of in the zeitgeist, sort of pre World War One, quite a lot after it really. Pre World War Two, let's put it that way. Pre World War Two, there is sort of like super. The supernatural is in the zeitgeist, up and down, up and down. But the idea of Rasputin, um, the Russian um, monk, the Mad Monk, it's been depicted a number of times. And, you know how many times, it, how many different things were done to kill him and. The influence he had over the Tsar, like there were rumors all over the place, and obviously that led into uh, why Russia left the First World War. So th- this character of Rasputin was known again not by everybody, but honestly, it wasn't like pop culture. There weren't like you know clickbait articles about these characters, but they were known people that you know. This again, this upper class people, these people in the middle class or above, sort of would have had this knowledge of this sort of rumor mill of these people. And the other one in British culture is Alistair Crowley. And Alistair Crowley sort of um, joined uh, an order, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which again was a known thing within certain circles of, of, the, of the upper class. 
and actually came, created his own religion, uh, Thelema, uh, after allegedly meeting with an Egyptian, I suppose an Egyptian god, or at least a deity, uh, while spending his time in Cairo. Um, and he wrote the Book of the Law. Is the Book of the Law a book of lies? I'll have to check. It's the Book of the Law. And um, so he was this guy. So this idea of magic being real, this idea of people being involved in the occult, this idea of eccentric, um, rich aristocrats was just a thing. It was, you know, these people existed. Uh, adventurers. You could still be an explorer at this point, um, you know, and do things. And it was a sort of accepted that, you know, uh, Lord Humphrey... Uh, Waffle Bottom is an extending, you know, excellent explorer. Has been travelling around sub-Saharan Africa for many years. Fine, those sort of things could happen, and so that's why I think you get this reflection in these characters of like the detectives, the supernatural detectives. It sort of fits into this eccentric eccentricity of the upper class and the upper middle class. They can afford to do this stuff. Jumping forwards quite a bit into the sort of later years, and you get this revival. Uh, in the 70s with the paperback push um, the paperback boom really the sort of mid mid 70s into the early 80s and um, again I'm going to really struggle with some of the names in this but there was um, uh, there was a series of books called The Satanic Detective and this obviously feeds into The Satanic Panic one of my favourite things um, there's weird topics I just find fascinating but there was one called The Satanic um, Detective and there was another one similar that was all about cult detectives. And it was basically an idea of there were seedy sort of like pulp paperbacks of the 70s. Like there's lots of sex and violence and stuff. Um, oh, one to mention, I'll go back a little bit further, is um, a bit more, again, the story of the gentleman. But we'll get to a minute. But yeah, these ideas, it became more about the action orientation. Um, less about um, the gentleman. The one I want to mention is, I'm going to find it here, excuse me. Uh, the devil right there you go uh, to the devil a daughter that's not it ah the devil rides out that's what I want sorry I've got my uh, just accessing the library good podcasting uh, Dennis Wheatley um, and within here so Dennis Wheatley wrote a series of this was originally published 72 there you go so this version at least was published in 72 uh, and you get the Duke de Richelieu uh, played um, wonderfully by, um, <coughs> holy crap, how's that going to be? The guy who played Dracula, oh my god, I have to find out a bit. My mind's gone blank. Anyway, he played wonderfully in a, in a film, The Devil Rides Out. Um, and again, it's this idea of the gentleman. Um, okay, so The Devil Rides Out, starring Christopher Lee. There you go, I found it, ignore me. Right. <clears throat> but the Duke Jerusalem fits into that gentleman, that eccentric gentleman thing. And they were written in the 40s. Um, but it was still part of that sort of era. As in, jumping forward, those characters I mentioned around in the 70s easily bleed into the modern uh, occult detective. You move away from um, them being regular guys and you start to move them into having crossed the line they are no longer because uh, in, in, in those early ones whilst the occult is never in some of them never fully explained like it'll be left ambiguous or left a little bit grey but for the most part the occult is recognised as being something 
bad. I'm not going to say it's evil all the time, but bad. It is. It is an enemy uh, to these to these this idea of logic and and reason and and this other thing. So you'll often get that sort of thing. But what you get later is the detective becoming a part of crossing the line. You know, sort of like sipping the wine, as it were. And that's when you get these characters. And I think Harry Dresden is a good example um, of that. Um, the Omission American version. Now, he is, you know, you get this combination now where you're going to get the hard-boiled detective. Harry Dresden, similar to you know, Sam Slade, that sort of kind of, you know, sort of like the um, Dashiell Hammett kind of 30s detective with magic. Like, he is a magician detective. Um you know, and he gets entangled in these magical um, events and stories, but magic is at the heart of it. Like, you couldn't have him not be a magician. Like, that's the world he lives in. And it, it sort of leans into what I would call sort of uh, urban fantasy, because then it's not just the supernatural or the occult, as in, you know, we are investigating a ghost story. We're now investigating a whole sub. Um, population you know living just under the regular population of like fairy folk and, and um, vampires and werewolves and, and all this other stuff and you get that that obviously then leads into the opposite the british version which comes around i don't know when the first dresden book from the 90s but in the 80s alan moore introduces the sting inspired john constantine now the initial version of constantine is uh, dapper, you know, he's got his long. He's, he's still a con man, still a sly, like, you know, sly bastard, but he's a bit more put together than he would eventually become. Um, Jamie, Jamie Delano, when he takes him over, uh, and then Garth Ennis, even when he takes him over, takes him way back to becoming a um, his old full backstory and everything. He becomes um, full on working class, like he is a working class uh, supernatural detective. And it doesn't pay to be John Constantine. Like you, you know, no one wants to be. Well, no, so it's no one wants to be the eighties and early nineties John Constantine because it's not fun. Um, but he's never like he's not there. He's not Sam Spade. If anything, like you know, he'll he'll detect things, and especially the one where he ends up chasing an actual serial killer and stuff. Like you know, the magic is is a a side part of that and the detection or the, the the plot becomes way more important and much more um key to everything it's not it's not until later that sort of like he becomes harry dresden basically and becomes um the flashy sort of magician that he has become especially sort of post new 52 in that world everything pre that he was you know a real sort of scumbag and that's sort of the British version. There's, there's others I can think of. So in um, Mike Carey, wonderful writer, uh, some great stuff, basically sort of wrote some uh, Constantine, then one of them created his own Constantine. Like, how there's not plagiarism on this, I don't know, but um, a character called Felix Castor, who he wrote five books uh, with this character, and he's great. Like, he's really good, but he fits into that john constantine mold like you know wherever he goes there's trouble and there's always these issues and but it's always like that we've moved away from um how the, think of hellboy hellboy again is another example of he is for all intents and purposes supernatural detective like he's a character like you know he works for an organization um but he's he's he's, he's a 
a version of the supernatural detective taken to the nth degree so no longer is it sort of like the um middle class or upper class toff that's got time and the money to explore this the supernatural um and you know he's going up against ghosts or things that go bump in the night typical ghost story stuff he is no longer just a working class magician they've now taken it to the next level and go oh no he is a supernatural entity from birth um, and is actually protecting humanity and is acting as a barrier between the humanity and the supernatural and that's why because you know that's like a transition it's almost like yeah because you've got angel as well like a vampire and that i saw there was a load of these early 2000s um where it was like a was it called, there was one called like vampire i can't remember the fuck it was called but there was a couple of these where it was like he's a vampire and a detective and so you had these tv shows where there would be that um scenario you know pre-true blood before they sort of did all that shit um and it was like sexy vampire but a detective um and so that yeah that idea of them being they can't be in you know it's that thing of take them to the next level of saying they can't exist in either world they are the bridge um what's the other one i'm trying to think of uh, there's an italian one which is really cool as well they did a film with brandon ralph um dog don't know um, but he's a similar thing. Like you, you are trapped between the other. You can't wholly live in the human world, and you are rejected because you are sort of like you know, not part of the supernatural world. So you exist, uh, Dylan Dog. There you go, bloody hell. Um, you exist in the middle, and I think that's where we've come from, and we go into. Like I don't know where this ends. I think there's more of a mix to be had. Um, and I'd be interested to see what people thought about this. Like, what? Who are your favourite supernatural detectives? You know, go back. Give me some more. Like this. Oh, you know, I'm sure there's urban fantasy stories, and lots of sort of like you know, grizzled detectives with beards. You know, stubbly beards that are gorgeous and sort of rippling with muscles, um, but never have a job. That all the you know the people swoon over. I'm sure there's lots of these series, but I do find this idea of supernatural detectives fascinating. They're sort of a an entity that exists within pop culture but they're able to sort of access different bits and pieces like you can you can wheel them out in a different version i i often use this analogy of like a an editing deck you know you can up the humanity or down the humanity or you know the hard-boiled detectiveness the supernaturalness you can edit them and then you can insert them into different things if you want to go full-blown uh urban fantasy or urban horror you can it, it, clive barker there you go harry damore clive barker's harry damore Another great example of um, the, the the Harry Dresden, John Constantine, um, the, the step towards that. So Harry Demore is a private eye. Uh, he first appears in Lord of Illusions in the Books of Blood, um, and in that he is just a PR. He's just a private investigator that gets sort of sucked into this world of magicians and things like that. Um, but when he is reintroduced later on in The Great and Secret Show, um, and he appears in a couple of other books, most recently was in The Scarlet Gospels, don't recommend it, crap. But when he appears in that, he has an acceptance, the full acceptance of the supernatural, and appears to have not quite magical abilities, but has some sort of abilities that you know he doesn't have. He's got like an arc, maybe. Um but yeah, Harry Demore is a really good a good example again of this sort of idea of sort of like the accidental supernatural detective, like an origin story, if you will, played by Scott Bakula in the film. Great film, I love that film as well. Um, 
And so, yeah, I, I, I like this idea. That's what I'm saying. The fact that you can insert them in different ways. Um, uh, but we appear to have gone off them a little bit of late. I don't sort of see them. You see the regulars turn up. Um, you know, and I'm thinking, um, like I say, Constantine and, you know, a few others. But you don't get new ones. One of the things I want to point out, actually, is a final note. We've talked about the fictional versions. Uh, there's a film called um, Bloody Hell. Don't know. It's got Eric Banner in anyway. And he he appears. This has just popped into my head. This is why these podcasts are always a little bit all over the place. Um, and I'm going to find it. Um, but he plays a true life detective. Um, and Eric Banner. There you go. Uh, plays a true life detective. And he actually has a series of books out. He's a New York detective that retired retired now, I believe. Um, but he claims that whilst he was on the force and since, um, he actually performed exorcisms, has fought demons, um, all this kind of really weird and sort of like you know dark supernatural stuff. Uh, Deliverance from Evil, there you go. And he plays a character called uh, uh, Saatchi. I think I forget the guy's name. Frank Saatchi? Not, yeah. Um, and in that, like, but he has um, written a book. Like He has written several books. You can find them on Amazon. You know, um, I've, I haven't listened to all of them. I've listened, listened to a good portion of one of them, and they're fascinating. And he makes these claims of being almost like a, a modern supernatural detective. And that he has like the church is back in, and he takes on demons and ghosts and and all this other stuff. And it's this weird sort of when you read it, it reads really poorly. It's like a pulp book. It's fascinating and fun, but like when you think he's billing this as you know nonfiction, uh, it's a little troubling. But when you do read it, you realise that like a lot of the tropes and things he talks about, you can track back to some of these other characters like i'm pretty sure he's read some of this stuff as a kid and i find that fascinating because that's where the sort of the pop culture and then fiction start to bleed into reality you know was it like life imitating art kind of thing and i'm not saying he's not you know i'm, I'm always i'm a skeptic but i'm not saying he's not saying the truth i don't believe him but that's a different matter and so you get these sort of you get this scenario of a true life uh, supernatural detective worth looking into um so the book the f- the film is is deliver us from evil his first book is called deliver us from evil go check it out on on amazon i'll find him actually put a link in the notes below anyway that has been my 30 minute thoughts that's been me thought of considering supernatural detectives I wanted to do this with a, with a little bit of research, but mainly sort of just my thoughts. And that's the point. It's all about my thoughts. Because let's be honest, I am your 20th century geek, you know, and I like to just sort of test myself and my knowledge. Sometimes it's a little rambling. I hope that's not a problem. But I hope to take you on a, a little bit of a journey and to make you think. And hopefully you'll investigate and go look for these things yourself. To, uh, the things I'm going to quickly call out, as I said, please check out this. Uh, the book I've got is called uh, The Weird Tales of William Hope Hodgson, but just Google William Hope Hodgson and there's a whole collection of the Karnaki the Ghost uh, Finders stories. But the other one I've got is Occult Detective Stories, Fighters of Fear, edited by Mike Ashley. 
I got mine off um, off Amazon, uh, but then also I also mentioned like Dennis Weekly uh, and his books, uh, The Devil Rides Out, The Devil a Daughter, um, those sorts of things. They're all worth checking out. <clears throat> but I would also recommend just checking out anyone else in this, like as I mentioned, Arthur Mackin, R. W. Chambers. Go Google them and check out some of their stuff uh, because they are fantastic writers and they are sort of not talked about enough, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and as is my podcast, I can promote whoever the hell I want. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for sticking with me for this uh, 30 minutes thoughts. And, uh, I, you know, hopefully you will go to your podcast catcher. You will run your finger along it and you'll find the review section and you will leave a five star review. Or four star, just leave some feedback. We all really appreciate it. It's great. Uh, and if you like this as the 30 minute thoughts and you want to explore more or you want to see what other podcasts we provide and all behind the scenesy things, the things we're doing, um, please go and check out our Patreon. Um, it's just patreon.com 20CG Media. There'll be a link down below. And just check out all the stuff we've got on, on offer. It's fantastic. Uh, and also check out our sister podcast. Yeah, this is 20th Century Geek. We are the sort of the home of a. Uh, me the, the 20th century geek but i also appear on a podcast uh, with my brother from another mother uh, julian darius uh, in stories out of time and space where every other week we dissect uh, a science fiction film or tv show and we go all over the place it's not just a review it's a full-on discussion of themes and ideas and everything else in between it's wonderful anyway ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for sticking with me um and i look forward to talking with you again on the next episode.